exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. In the next hour, we'll guide you through Spartan Sports, your favorite Detroit teams, and beyond. Call in with your thoughts at 517-432-3893. And now, let's kick off another hour of Sports Talk. Welcome into the basement on this big Monday. Big news, first off the top of the hour, the Michigan High School Athletic Association has been denied by the Supreme Court, and thus, that means the seasons will change accordingly. Ladies first, basketball from fall to winter, volleyball from winter to fall, and tennis from fall to spring, and that is only in the Lower Peninsula. Uh, And for the boys, not much changing over there, except something that will affect our guests coming up just in a few moments. Boys, golf will go from the fall into the spring season, and tennis from the spring into the fall. All of this stemming from unhappy women who would like their daughters to play both basketball and volleyball, and a class action lawsuit was filed, and the Supreme Court decided not to hear the appeal from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, who is not very happy with the ruling today. But more importantly, starting off the hour with our Spartan sit-down in the house tonight, we have men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando and sophomore John Allaire. We'd like to welcome them. But first of all, welcome back to our happy panelist, as always, Dewan Simmons from the city of Detroit. Dewan, how are we doing today? I'm doing just fine, Dan. How's it going? Uh, also, I'd like to uh, welcome a couple guests uh, from the Bagyal family in the house tonight. And Mr. Orlando has brought his three wonderful children in the house tonight. So if you hear some chattering and some playing going on in the background, don't worry. Everything is under control tonight in the sports wrap. And Brigitte, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, couldn't be a better day. Uh, had a nice little test this morning. But, you know, we take care of business here. We do. Academics first on the Spartan Sports Rep. But more importantly, <laughs> in the Spartan sit-down to get things rolling, uh, men's tennis coach Gene Orlando and John Allaire. If you have any questions for these two gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and open up the phones right at the top of the hour. Kevin gave me the thumbs up. Uh, the f- number is 517-432-3893. Once again, men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando and John Allaire in the house. So first of all, John Allaire from Cincinnati. You know, a little novelty question. Is it good to see a Cincinnati guy like Mark D'Antonio as the head football coach? Well, I hope so. All my friends back home were kind of bummed that we stole their coach, so I hope it ends up all right for us. All right, first of all, a little interesting scenario for you yesterday. Um, Nick Rinks, your number one singles guy, his doubles partner, Adam Monick, comes down sick, and you have to play with Rinks at number one doubles. So with that being said, uh, how does the chemistry uh, is there a lack of chemistry there, or because your team is so, what, 12, 12 teammates, or 11 teammates, including yourself, is there a uh, chemistry already there, or is this something that you guys have to build from, from the first match? Well, it's not easy to just play with someone different, but at the same time, Nick is such a good doubles player, and he's won every level he's played at. So I'm just, I was happy to be given the opportunity to play with Rings. I know that he always has my back. I I can count on him doing a lot more than I can count on anyone else on our team. You know, he's always puts the ball away, plays solid doubles. I mean, he won nationals, so I'm not ever worried about him messing up. I just hope that I don't mess up. But I think we our, we got our chemistry down pretty uh, early in the match, and we played well. Just, Obviously, you were very successful in high school, an Ohio guy. You won a state championship yourself. Uh, what was it? What did Coach Orlando here pitch to you to say, "Come be a Spartan at Michigan State"? I mean. <laughs> It's a Big Ten school. How can you turn that down? You know, not very many people have opportunities to play at the Big Ten level. My two best friends ended up going to Xavier, and I just wanted to—I wanted something a little bigger. I wanted—I wanted to be a Big Ten athlete, and that was all he had to say. Coach, Coach Orlando, on the contrary, what did you see in this young man throughout high school that wanted you to say, "Hey, I'm gonna—I'm gonna give him a scholarship, partial scholarship, whatever, the, whatever the business is behind it." That said, I want John Laird to be a Spartan and, and be on my team. I think first it stood out. I got to see him play in the summertime at a at a tournament, and I just liked how he had a complete game. He could play from the baseline and work his way into the net. And I liked his intensity. And and uh, more importantly, when I got to see him, you know, play with his team, I could see that he had some great leadership qualities. And and uh, not only was he successful as an individual, his team was won the state championship as well. And I think I attribute that a lot to John. And and uh, look forward to the future with him becoming a leader for us. 
So how much are, speaking of leadership, how much are the intangibles in tennis, like, like leadership, the quality of a good leader, a hard worker, the intangibles, how much does that result into on-court play? I think it plays a big factor. Uh, you know, your leaders determine uh, you know, how much uh, they work, doing a little extra after practice, doing something before. Um, you, you can't teach leadership, but uh, you can't really put a price tag on it. You know, you need, you need people to, to lead and, and uh, set the example and, and uh, good things will happen if you've got great leaders. You're just joining us, Spartan Sports Wrap tonight. The Spartans sit down with men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando and sophomore John Allaire just coming off a weekend road trip. Um, back to the phones, we have a number, 517-432-3893. If you have a question for any of these two gentlemen, uh, we're going to stick with tennis for the top of the hour here. Uh, but later on in the show, yes, we'll talk about the MHSA ruling, uh, the Tigers' opening day loss, uh, the football's first spring scrimmage under new coach Mark D'Antonio, Victoria Lucas Perry, and the WNBA draft that is coming up in 48 hours. Hey, U- University of Kentucky offering Billy Donovan supposedly $1 million more than Florida. We'll talk about that. And as always, the men's and women's Final Four. But back to our two guests. Coach Orlando, you grew up in Germany. Um, okay, go ahead. When did uh, when did you were you born in Germany? So you're born in Germany, but you did not grow up there. Right. So what 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 got you into tennis personally? You you were a star at Ball State, four time MAC champion. You've been here for 16 years. Uh, what drew your interest to tennis and not other sports? Was it the individual aspect that all at the end of the day you had to depend on yourself uh, to get that W? Well, I, I think uh, you know I started off playing all the sports, and, and tennis wasn't the first one that was. Uh... You know, that I was exposed to it just was by happen chance and uh I was actually telling the story I was baby being babysitting I had to go wherever this other person went and they were going to a tennis lesson and uh I went out with them and they offered me the opportunity to play and I just fell in love and uh you know I love baseball I love basketball and eventually tennis just gravitated to me and and uh it was it was great I don't know if it was individual or if it was a team but uh you know just had the opportunity to play. If you have any questions for these two gentlemen, men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando or sophomore John Allaire, the number is 517-432-3893. On the contrary, John, oh, what drew you into tennis? Were you a, a multi-sport guy in high school, or what, were you basically uh, that, that tennis guy all the way through middle school, or, or what's your story? I was a tennis guy from birth. I got a tennis racket for my first birthday. My mom uh, was a pro tennis player for a while. My dad played college tennis in Notre Dame, so... Never really was a choice for me. I've always I played tennis pretty much every day of my adult life, and I don't like taking days off to, even now. So, so not not to to be uh, playful, but it was in your genes. Yeah. <laughs> Head coach Gene Orlando, hey, but but nonetheless, um, you guys you guys aren't having the greatest season, uh, but obviously you guys are um, considerably young. I'd say your top two players would be juniors. Um, at number one, uh, Nick Rinks. Obviously, it took a hit yesterday when you didn't have Monik. Uh, but what do you see with this team heading into? You guys are what four or five uh, matches away from uh, the Big Tens. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see with this team? What do you guys need to improve on to go and make a strong showing at Big Tens? I just think that we still need to, you know, try to get better, improve uh, each day, and and uh, we've lost some close ones early on, and and uh, you can't get them back. But I think that takes away from the confidence. Uh, and the growth of, of development of the players, uh, we're just trying to to work hard and and uh, you know take one match at a time, and uh, hopefully this weekend we have Iowa here at home on on Saturday at noon, and you know we're looking to get that first Big Ten win. And like you said, we are young. Um, we thought we'd have a little more success, and we still have the season to play. You know, we're not evaluating now; we'll evaluate at the end. And uh, but we were close with some some great teams and. And we still need to get some results from our, you know, lower down in the lineup, and and uh, we haven't been able to to be as successful there as, as I'd hoped, and and uh, got some young players playing there, and so hopefully, uh, you know, this weekend we can turn it around, and you know, with everyone returning except for one senior, we should be a lot stronger next year, and with a, a new incoming recruiting class, uh, we should be good. John, attending a school that has such notable basketball programs, both men's and women's, a women's team that draws on the regular six thousand fans, and in a in a, a niche sport like tennis, where you don't draw as many fans, um, how do you how do you get motivated before a match? Is is it the just the, to get the W and to get your name out there? It, like right now, you're not you're nine and nine overall. Um, what is it going to take for you to be to be motivated? To obviously, your goal is to to push yourself to a winning record and finish out the season strong. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, anyone who's ever seen me play knows how I act on the court. I go crazy. I'm, I'm one of the more competitive people you'll ever meet. I hate to lose. I hate seeing another guy beat me. I just, it doesn't take a whole lot to get me motivated. I just go. Have out you there. have you ever lost sleep over losing a match? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this past week, this last night, I lost sleep over losing that match. But I mean, every day is a new day, so I just got to put it behind me and. Hopefully the next time it'll go my way. Do, do you feel like you guys, if you if you were to draw more fans, more interest into the sport of tennis at Michigan State University, not to mention with that comes the dollars and funding for, for better facilities, for improved equipment or, or whatever it may be, that, that you guys will step up a le- another level play. Obviously with facilities can come that you know better recruiting class or draw that commitment from a kid who may be considering a so-called better tennis school. Either of you. This is open for either you, Coach, or John. Yeah, I would say, you know, as far as fan support, I, I think we do have a pretty good following, uh, more than probably the typical, you know, in, in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, and, and as far as, uh, you know, facilities, I think we, we do have some you know, great facilities. Our indoor facility, is, I think, is one of the best. And uh, outdoor is, is obviously very efficient. We have a lot of courts. And uh, we did get to play one match outside thus far. And uh, yeah, I know it looks like it's going to be cold this weekend, but... It's kind of neat to have people walking through campus and you know stopping to watch and you know we, you know, it wasn't like we really promoted it, but all of a sudden we had a pretty good following and overall. So, coach, you've had forty-eight selections to the academic All Big Ten and you've coached three academic All-Americans. How do you stress academics to guys that obviously? as John can probably attest to, have to put hours in at practice each day, not to mention they're, they're physically tired. They, the last thing they may want to do in the morning is get up for an 8 a.m. How do you stay on top of these guys to have such academic success? Is it the phone calls? Is it the discipline? What is it, Coach? I think it really comes down to individual responsibility. And, you know, the players that are going to be All-Americans are the ones that are disciplined and can be doing it on their own. Uh, if they don't have that, they're going to struggle. And if they struggle academically, they're probably going to struggle when they're on the court and not be as successful. But for them to get it done, it comes down to them, and, and uh, I try to put that responsibility on them. Uh, just in case you want to check out the men's tennis team, they face Iowa at home in East Lansing. That's noon on the 7th of April, followed up uh, the next week, the 14th of April, against Penn State. Also a noon start, that is in East Lansing. Uh, and then you guys travel to Wisconsin and Northwestern. Coaching these next four meets, what has to happen to go down to West Lafayette and have a good showing at the Big Ten. And, and what are you expecting out of, you, out of this young team? Well, like I said, just taking one match at a time, and it all starts here with Iowa. And uh, if we can get the win against Iowa, I think we'll, you know, again, gain some confidence and, you know, carry that in against Penn State. Uh, the Big Ten has con- continued to get better with each year, and, and uh, I haven't told John yet that uh, Penn State beat Minnesota, and Minnesota was like top 25 going into this week. And all of a sudden now, you know, Big Ten just keeps on getting tougher. But we got to take care of business this weekend, and I think if we can get the win here, I, I definitely feel like we're capable of, of playing with any team. We've, we've proven that thus far. We just haven't been able to get the result uh, on the right win on the, on the win column. Uh, but I, I feel like we're strong enough in doubles, and I feel like we're strong enough, you know, in a, you know, in our top four, and we're looking to, you know, have a breakthrough with our five and six players. And if if that can happen, uh, I think we can have a good finish. John, looking back on your on your short so far t- short career here, you've, you're a sophomore. This is your second season here. What what's what's your the highlight of your career thus far? And what and then a the second question: What are you looking most forward to in the latter two years of your career? Oh, I haven't been too many highlights thus far. And an honest answer from from a <laughs> humble man. I can appreciate that. It's just the whole the whole experience is a highlight for me. Just being able to play. I've played in pretty much every match since I've been here, and I all like it just. I just love to compete, so that's just the highlight. And I don't know. I'm just hoping that we can get a lot more Big Ten wins next year. I think we're going to be a lot better next year. We're, we're, we've been so close this year that we only have one way to go. We're not losing anyone. Our top four players, I think, can compete with anyone in the Big Ten. We showed it yesterday. We showed it against Illinois, the two top teams in the Big Ten. They're both ranked top ten in the country. And we were in every one of those matches at number one through four. So, I mean, just looking, maybe we can – Squeak by a top 10 win somewhere along the line, something good could happen. I don't know. 
obviously this next question won't apply to you, John, because you grew up playing high school tennis in Ohio. Obviously, you probably played year-round, though, uh, because obviously tennis can be played indoor and outdoor. Uh, but the MHSA ruling coach, uh, moving boys' tennis from the spring to the fall in the Lower Peninsula, how is this going to affect your in-state recruiting? And are you primarily looking in-state? Are you, are you, do you have a niche of recruiting? We know football likes to look in Florida. Uh, we know basketball likes to go to Flint. Um, how is this going to affect your recruiting? Well, um, it, it'll affect it in, in in two different ways. I guess first is all the seniors are. You, we usually use the fall as the recruiting period. Now, since they'll be playing, that'll be a little tricky. You know, trying to schedule visits because they're going to be playing tournaments, etc. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm kind of surprised that they they did overturn. You know, they made the changes, but uh, I kind of like it. Uh, it gives me another opportunity to evaluate the players. Uh, you know, I'll see them play in the summertime, but now I'll get to see them play in the fall time. Um, this will also give the younger players in the high school uh, the opportunity to play a lot more USTA events uh, in January, February, March, and, and uh, which is the typical, or April, May, the typical high school season. So they'll have an opportunity to, to improve their ranking and, and uh, you know, with playing these tournaments. Because right now, when they play high school tennis, they're not allowed to play these USTA tournaments. Men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando in the building with us tonight, not to mention sophomore John Allaire. Coach, looking into the season, who do you feel your toughest opponent will be, and how do you think that you will prepare your team for that? Well, I think the toughest opponent that we played of was probably Ohio State. You know, this this past weekend, uh, they finished uh, they're ranked third presently, as high as number two. Uh, we played Notre Dame last week, who was fifth in the country. Uh, we played Illinois, who was seventh in the country. We we played a, a great schedule, and I think that's you know we talked about earlier. One of the highlights is you know we we try to play the best teams that we possibly can and we feel that that's going to make us better and uh one thing you got to balance though is is winning and losing Mm -hmm. and if you don't win as much it's it plays a factor especially in an individual game and and uh you know staying mentally strong uh but you know that that, you know that comes over time but we've had a lot of opportunities to play against the best and what do you how do you do how do you prepare for them uh just you know they're the same just like us they tie the shoes the same way as as we do and uh, anything can happen and like John said, we were very competitive. He played a 25th ranked player in the country yesterday, lost in a super tiebreaker, and he could easily won the first set. He won the second, and you know he's just this close. And and uh, and as a team, I think we got individually that close, and hopefully we can make a breakthrough. Coach, although you only have 12 players on your team, how tough is it to be the only full-time coach of the men's tennis program? Obviously, you may have a graduate assistant with you, um, but you do more things than most coaches of other sports here do. Like, have you had to drive buses to away away tennis matches? Like, you you go above and beyond what the normal duties of some coaches at this institution have to do. And how does does that take a, a physical toll and mental toll on you, or are you used to it after 16 years here? I think you know that's that's how it's been since I've been here. When I first got started, things have only gotten better. Uh, you know, with you know, with opportunities here, but we don't have an assistant. Um, you know, hopefully in the future that might be a case with the men's sport, with the men's program. Uh, but that's just how it's been done. Uh, you know, I, I do. You know, sometimes feel like you know we we can be be cheated a little bit. You know, with you know more opportunities to be with them more individually. Um, but you know, again, it comes down to responsibility with the guys and you know you know doing what they need to do and and uh you know I try to meet all the needs and uh you know put ourselves in the best position but you know we do it all um you know whether it's driving or you know making arrangements and and stuff Hey, he does it all. His name's Coach Gene Orlando of the men's tennis program. You can check out the men's tennis team. They'll be playing at home in their next two matches in the next two weeks, April 7th and the 14th at home in East Lansing. Uh, Coach, uh, how do you guys decide whether you play indoors or outdoors? These, both these matches are at noon. Uh, just it's, If it's a decently good and dry day, are you guys going to be outdoors across from, uh, from uh, Wilson and Case? Yeah. They, they, our ITA, which is our governing body, has rules that state that if it's 50 degrees or higher – you play outside, and if it's below 50 degrees, you play inside. And uh, just before I came over here, I looked at the the weatherchannel.com, and it looks like they're calling for snow this weekend. So it's pretty <laughs> safe to say that we'll be indoors. We have a great indoor facility. I think it's the best kept secret on campus. A lot of the students don't know we have a you know a great indoor facility, and uh, it's off of Mount Hope Road. I think you can catch bus 33. Just 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 west of uh, of Harrison there towards yeah. Lansing. How about Mount Hope? It's on your right hand side. It's the Michigan State indoor tennis facility. It is a great kept secret. If I did not live in Spartan Village and to have that as my backyard, I wouldn't 
wouldn't be familiar with yeah. the, with the tennis facility, but it's a great facility. And coach, we appreciate your time. Oh, and you. The, you guys have not heard the kids tonight out there in in Radio Land, but they have been just fantastic. Way to go, guys! Thank and uh, John Alaire, Coach Gene Orlando, we wish you guys the best of luck with four regular big regular season Big Ten matches to go. Uh, not to mention the Big Ten championship. So thanks a lot, Coach. Thanks, really appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, the Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure on Impact 89FM. We'd like to thank men's tennis coach Gene Orlando and sophomore John Allaire for taking time out of their busy schedules. They're in season, but hey, they said they'll come on in and sit down with us for the first 20 minutes of the Spartan Sports Wrap tonight. Uh, so, so much thanks to those guys and the best of luck as they continue their season. Uh, four more matches for men's tennis and then the Big Ten Championship. So we wish them the best of luck. Uh, top story of the day has to be the Michigan High School Athletic Association changing their seasons. Uh, the association says they are very disappointed with the Supreme Court ruling. Um, the Michigan High School Athletic Association was uh, petitioning uh, to have this lower court ruling appealed. Uh, the Supreme Court said nada. And now, as a result... The High School Athletic Association is changing sports. Just a quick recap, if you're just hopping on board with us, girls, we'll start with the ladies first. Basketball will be moved from fall into winter. Volleyball from winter to fall. That was the big one right there, was the volleyball season moving. Uh, tennis from fall to spring, and that is only in the lower peninsula. On the flip side, only two sports will change for the boys. Uh, golf will move from the fall to the spring. And as we just discussed with Coach Orlando, tennis will move from the spring to the fall, uh, which he said will not have much problems uh, in terms of his recruiting of Michigan high school tennis players, and that's in the lower peninsula. Uh, but moving forward, Juan, um, do you see the students? Who do you see as the winners and losers of this whole fiasco? I definitely see Michigan High School Athletic Association taking a hit. Um, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of this, but uh, who, who are the winners in, in your mind? Well, it's a tricky topic. Um, I don't think it's really any clear-cut winner or loser. You can make a strong argument for both sides. Um, I can understand how, you know, a lot of the dual sport athletes who are who are women would like to play or have the opportunity to play basketball and volleyball and not have to just pick one sport and, and stick with it. But at the same time, now the fact that they have to compete with men basketball, I think that's going to turn out to be that double-edged sword that's going to be their worst nightmare. Absolutely, Brigitte. As a female, you you grew up playing sports. Mm -hmm. um, um, how big of an issue was this that that the volleyball, the volleyball basketball issue uh, for women? Do you do you think this is a good move for the high school athletic association to move the seasons? Um, I think it just depends. I knew a lot of girls back in high school that did want to play basketball and volleyball at the same time. Um, it just didn't work out that way because of the seasons and stuff. But in my opinion, it seems like if you really want to excel at one sport, it's better to just focus on one um, in particular to, I guess, increase your skills in that particular area. So like Juan said, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It could go either way when you think about it. I think it's a, t it's a tough situation. Like, we, like we're like we all echoing here tonight in the basement. If you're just joining us, the number is 517-432-3893. My name is Dan Duggar. I'm the host of this show, the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're in the house every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, happy 21st birthday Thursday uh, to my longtime childhood friend, and I'd like to call him a best friend, Bob Walmsley. He turns 21 Thursday, 
So I'm sure he'll be enjoying that as I may be with him as well. Um, happy birthday to you, my friend. In Spartan Village, my people, hello, hello. And Leah Jamian. Uh, you know, when you have people that listen to the show on the regular, you really have to take time out to thank <laughs> those fans. So uh, back to the Michigan High School Athletic Association season change. Um, I, th- I think they may have bit something off that they may have not wanted to get into. Uh, because being, being a high school athlete now, we can, we can bring up certain issues like, well, when I when I was in high school, I, I was a successful track runner. Uh, but at the same time, I grew up playing baseball, so I could not play baseball and track at the same time. So so now are we going to have a, a class action lawsuit of of parents of track athletes saying that you know we need to switch baseball uh, uh, to the fall, which I do not think will ever happen because baseball is such a spring pastime. Uh, but is this is this a whole new can of worms, Juan? That that they're going to have all these minority. Uh, groups coming up saying, you know, let's switch this sport now and this sport and this sport. Uh, what, what do you think is going to come about of all this? Yeah, I, I think they really set themselves up for a big headache in the future. Um, the fact that you would pass something like this where you have a, a discrepancy and you allow for one rule change, it gives that edge to other groups who would like to, you know, pose the same problem to to come forward and demand a change and of course the first thing they're going to do is throw the fact that you did switch the the women's sports you know and and that would be a good enough reason for you to switch theirs like I know a couple of guys when I was in high school who wanted to play basketball and wrestle yes you know so I mean you could always find two sports especially two niche sports that are always going to conflict with one another so I think it's best to just if I was them I would have just left it alone you know, just let it sit where it was. I, th- I think that's what they tried to do. Here's the here's the official statement from the MHSA. Uh, the MHSA is disappointed that the Supreme Court has decided against reviewing this case. Now is the time for our schools to step up and work with the decision of the court to continue to maximize the quantity and quality of interscholastic athletic participation opportunities for young people in our state. Um, so obviously, the onset of that quote very disappointed. Um, because Michigan was one of the few states that actually had um, the volleyball playing in the winter. Um, now that this switched, uh, the volleyball will be played in the fall, and now women's basketball will be pushed uh, to the winter. But uh, if you if you're really an advocate, or you could say even feminist, uh, about this whole issue that you know women d- deserve these split seasons. Uh, so for recruiting, if you if you really look at things, uh, one uh, women's basketball playing in the fall. Um, if you're a women's basketball player in high school. Um, that's that's a hot commodity because you can be recruited during the NCAA's off season. Okay, yes, they're prepping for for their season that starts in November, but when you're playing in in late August and September and October, uh, you can have that Division One coach, that women's program coach, come and recruit you in their off time when they're not busy trying to get into the NCAA tournament. And they'll be able to show that interest in you, and that is only in a few states. And now, obviously, in Michigan, that is no more. Uh, so, if I, if I was a women's basketball player in high school, a young lady, uh, I would be a little disappointed because that the cards were in my favor there. Yes, they definitely lost that slight edge that they had. If you're especially a good player and you're looking forward playing for one of the perennial powerhouses, such as the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Tennessees, or um, it, it's really hard now for a coach who's in the Final Four or in the Elite Eight or Sweet 16 to take that time out of their schedule when their team is at that critical point and come and try to recruit incoming freshmen, you know, from the state of Michigan. So it's going to really put a lot of pressure on them in the summertime. They're really going to have to perform a lot better during AAU ball and try to and try to really carry out and, and ride that wave into the recruiting season. Absolutely. Here's the facts of the situation. Michigan high schools play. They currently um, until the obviously the rule change is going to change all this next year, but Michigan high schools play one third more volleyball contests per season than high schools of bordering states. So uh, obviously Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, things like that. Uh, all Stater Sports Magazine Super seventy five uh, two, class of two thousand for girls high school volleyball had six Michigan students. Um, that was the second highest of all states in the nation. So these these are subtle facts that that are supporting that. Obviously. Um, before even the the season change today, that women's volleyball in the state of Michigan um, at the high school level uh, was getting its just due. Girls were still getting recruited um, amongst the top of the nation, as we can see. Um, Here's another one for you. Michigan contributes the second highest number of players of any state to both the women's basketball and women's volleyball rosters to the Big Ten and the MAC, the Mid-American Conference. So we still look at that. 
and we say, uh, yeah, the Big Ten in, in the MAC, that's a, those, those are Midwest conferences that are going to recruit Michigan regardless. Um, but I really don't think you had to change. Just because the rest of the nation ha- has these different seasons, uh, we're not like the rest of the nation. Exactly. Um, obviously, the, the rest of the nation, in some parts, has warm weather year-round, and there's certain reasons they do certain things that they do. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I, I, I'm disappointed with the ruling. Um, I th- I really think the women, in particular basketball players, not to mention volleyball, wasn't really that affected. Um, they just had to change. Some niche group uh, of parents uh, rallied behind their daughters and wanting to change this, and, and that's what happens. And I think they really opened up a whole, whole big can of worms that now everybody who wants to play two sports that are conflicting in season – uh, are just going to be giving the MHSAA headaches. Right. 517-432-3893. Enough of talking about high school. Let's get to the pros. The Tigers lose the home opener in 10 innings today. Juan, the 105 first pitch went out, and Bonderman was jacked for three in the first inning, um, and the score would be 5-3 to three at the end when it was all said and done. Uh, Juan, are you worried, or is this just a little first-game jitter and we will recover? Well, I wasn't really worried. I saw a little bit of the game. Um, I was flipping back and forth between that and the and the Yankees game. So I saw some of it. Um, I think it was just a little rust. It was just a couple bad pitches here, you know, a, a couple missed cutoff men there. So I don't think it's no time to stress. Uh, baseball has the most longevity out of any of the sports. So truthfully, one game here or one game there won't really hurt you. I think the biggest thing is just the Tigers need to stay healthy. Um, get through the bullpen, get get used to pitching, you know, in their five-day rotations. Um, the bats are definitely going to wake up as as the season goes. Gary Sheffield is definitely going to help out. So if I was them, I, re- I really wouldn't worry too much. As um, far as, like, Bonnerman or, or even Zamaya was getting slapped around more than he normally does. If, if you watched it, they were missing their spots a little bit. So I think it's just a little bit of rust, and as the season goes, they'll be just fine. Absolutely, Brigitte. Uh, you worried about the Tigers? Or yeah, obviously, we could look even at the NBA and see the Mavericks, albeit they lost yesterday <laughs> by 22 to the Phoenix Suns at Ooh, Phoenix. That really hurt. What? That yeah. That that we'll we'll talk NBA in the weeks to come because we have such a stacked show tonight with the Final Four, both men's and women's tonight and tomorrow night, respectively. And Victoria Lucas Perry getting ready for the NBA WNBA draft that is going to be April 4th. That is just less than 48 hours away, so I'm sure she's sweating bullets. Maybe, maybe not, but, you know, she she already got into the University of Michigan Dental School. So either way, she's going to have a mon- monetarily successful life, I'd right. say, whether it's, you know, filling cavities or filling <laughs> up buckets. <laughs> Regardless, uh, this just hot off the press. Uh, former Michigan State assistant and former Arkansas head coach, Stan Heath, uh, he will not be a Michigan State assistant because he is now the new head coach at the University of South Florida. Um, in a deal that is a five-year contract is worth up to $4.275 million. So not a bad job for Mr. Heath. So it's good to see one of Izzo's branches um, falling quite nicely. South Florida? You kidding? I would love to be the coach in, exactly. in South Florida. Uh, but back back to Michigan State. That was just a quick off, off the topic, but just wanted to let you know in that search for Izzo's next assistant, don't be, su- don't be surprised if it is Mike Garland, former Cleveland State head coach. But football, first spring scrimmage under Coach D'Antonio. Travis Key had two picks, one return for a 78-yard TD, which came off of a bobbled catch slash drop. So obviously that, you know, that's that's kind of arbitrary, you want. You know, you get that tip ball, you can take that opposite way house pretty easily. Yeah, that goes um, pretty quick. Yeah, it goes very quick. Um, first of all, um, anticipated running game struggled. Um, the co- the combined numbers of J.U. Colcrick and Javon Ringer, uh, 43 yards on 24 carries. Uh, neither Ringer nor Colcrick broke a run for longer than nine yards. Juan, are you worried about our running game, uh, this taunted running game that Coach Antonio is instituting, or do you think it's just we finally got on the pads and out on the field, and and maybe our defense actually played a little a little solid against the run? Uh, no, I don't I don't take it serious. Um. A scrimmage is still a scrimmage. Um, guys try to get up for the scrimmages, but they're not really running at game speed. Most most people are really just going through the motions, pushing it about 75%, just getting used to the playbook, getting used to that first contact, you know, because when you're off of contact for four or five months, as, as they have been, you know, you don't really want to go out there. And if you look at the past season scrimmages, players have went down, such as Ross Weaver. So I think a lot of the guys are really trying to get through the motions, 
on the offensive end, especially get the playbook down, you know, because you're, you're instituting a whole new system. Um, you're replacing a lot of pieces, especially Drew Stanton at quarterback. So I think it was just the fact that they were unfamiliar with what was going on. But I wouldn't really worry too much about the running game. Um, the style of play that Dan Antonio institutes, um, I, I say it's favorable for the run. If you if you look at his record and, and his style of play when he was down in Cincinnati, it was run first, pass second, a lot of play action. So with the weapons that we have at, at running back with J.U., Jimerson, and Ringer, I, I say they're going to run downhill all day. Bridget? With that record, it makes me a little nervous. I mean, 42 yards between the two of them and how many was it? 22 carries. 24 carries. 24 carries. So, I mean, I know they're getting used to everything, new coach, new system of run game and everything. But, I mean, in order for them to be successful next year, they're going to have to do way better than roughly two yards a run or so. So, I mean, hopefully that this scrimmage isn't the only thing or uh, the best of things to come. Hopefully it's just a starting off point for them to hope to aspire to better. But if they keep doing this all season, then we're going to be in trouble. For yeah, the yeah the hopefully, season. hopefully those those guys can step it up. But you know, it's a new it's a new system, a new a new offense, whole exactly. new whole new staff, um, exclusive of Dan Enos, who returned, uh, former quarterbacks coach is now the running backs coach. Um, so, but your boy Brian Hoyer, a solid solid uh, start to the scrimmage there. He uh, he knocked uh, on his first twelve of thirteen passes. Uh, for a buck twenty nine, um, but on the contrary, uh, ouch, Otis, Otis Wiley saw him Thursday in a boot. I don't think he played. Um, how how much is uh, we we don't even have to talk about how valuable Otis Wiley is to this football team, um, but he was definitely in a boot Thursday. Didn't think he played. Didn't hear much about Nehemiah Work either. Uh, who I did hear about is number thirty three Dan Fortner, a white guy playing safety. Haven't seen that since Eric Smith. But that guy could hit, and he did play for the New York Jets this past year in the playoffs. So, you know, white guys can play a little safety. You know, they may not be as quick as they come. Uh, but but Brian Hoyer, he's going to be able to get it done at the quarterback position this year. I really think uh, you were a big fan of him last year. He's definitely got the arm strength and, uh, more importantly, the accuracy. And maybe a new quarterback's coach um, will, will help him to propel to the next level. Yeah, he's extremely efficient. If you if you see the guy actually work, he's he's efficient in what he does. He he minimizes mistakes. He doesn't really take risks that uh sometimes Stan took, you know, trying to gun it in there between three guys and, and thread the needle. So I think the new playbook that they're that the packages that they're gonna run is definitely favor him. Um he does have some athleticism. He can get out the pocket and, and maneuver a little bit. So I mean that's always an option. But I think, you know, rolling him out the pocket and and getting those downfield strikes that we were missing a little bit this year, we threw a lot of crossing patterns. But I think he has the arm strength to get out to some of those fade routes. We have speed at the edges with T.J. Williams, you know, going to be the premier receiver this year. So we'll have a chance to stretch the field. And I think his success definitely depends on the running game. If we get the running game going, that'll take a lot of pressure off him because even though he's been here for three years now, um, his actual in-game snaps has been minimized, you know, due to the great Drew Stanton. So, uh, the first the great Drew Stanton. <laughs> I, ne- I never thought those words would come out of your mouth. Juan. I mean, but what are we? But Drew what are we? Uh, twenty-eight, twenty-nine days away from uh, from the NFL draft, and we may be seeing Drew Stanton's name called. I'd say maybe early second round to mid second round. Yeah, yeah, he's all over the draft board. I've seen some people have him totally as high as top fifteen. I have some people saying he was going to go second day. If you actually read through all of the different people with various opinions. But on everybody's list, he's consistently between three and seven quarterback in the draft. So 517-432-3893 is the number. Once again, 517-432-3893 is the number. If you'd like to comment, we're talking Michigan State football. They just finished their first spring scrimmage under Coach Mark D'Antonio. The Tigers lost today in their home opener in 10 innings to the Blue Jays, 5-3. to three. Um, we had a Spartan sit down with men's tennis coach Gene Orlando and John Allaire just moments ago, uh, but the, they're gone uh, for now. But they return to the courts the seventh of April and then the fourteenth as well in East Lansing. So men's tennis, hopefully we are supporting them uh, so they can continue success in this season. Uh, Victoria Lucas Perry, she's getting ready for the WNBA draft just in forty-eight hours. And uh, we'll talk about some of the job offers in college basketball coming up in a moment. But we're going to take a quick break. The number is 517-432-3893. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Rep on Impact 89FM. 
You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure on Impact 89 FM. More importantly, you're in the house with Dan Duggar on, the Spartan Sports Rep. Yes, that is me. I've been here for, man, nearly a year. Um, if you don't like what I say or if you agree, the number is 517-432-3893. Next to me for dang near a year, his name's Juan Simmons from Sad Detroit enough. City. And, <laughs> this time is and, adding up. And, and Brigitte is, uh, Brigitte, geez, you've been in here at least half a year. Yeah, at least and half She's pushing now. six. And we are, we're just getting tenured here in, in the basement. But back, back to more important issues than, than my time here at the Impact. Uh, number 27, Sir Darian Adams. Uh, definitely had a good day, according to Coach D'Antonio. Didn't get to see the scrimmage. Um, I had bills to pay and work to do, so I can't see every single sporting event. And if you can introduce me to someone who can, I'd like to meet him. Uh, but Coach Antonio said, you definitely noticed number 27, that is Sir D, on the field. We were hoping that would happen with his move to linebacker from the secondary. Juan, do you, obviously I think it's a solid move to put a speedy, maybe throw some more weight on Sir D, but he's definitely got the speed uh, to take Sir D from that John L. Smith bandit position and now throw him as an outside linebacker in, uh, in what is it, uh, Coach Antonio's. Uh, defense obviously I'm trying to think of our defensive coordinator's name right now but all that being said how do you like the move of Sir D from secondary to linebacker um initially I'm not truly a huge fan of it um I'm really interested well intrigued I should say to see how they actually use him and, and what kind of system they actually end up going with um if they go with a traditional say three four um Maybe if he's doing a lot of blitzing, because he's a consistent four three forty guy. But the fact is, realistically, Sir D is about six feet tall, two hundred and thirty, two hundred thirty five pounds max. So having him at linebacker, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he fares come the end of the season, getting smacked around by those three hundred pound linemen. Because one of the benefits of being abandoned in the bandit system that John L used was that he never really came up against those big guys. If he did get close to the line of scrimmage, he was taking on a, a fullback or or a halfback out, out of coverage. So he never really had to just fight in the trenches. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But he's a very critical part to this team. Um, as I look through the roster and running through my head, it's interesting to see where the le- leadership, excuse me, where the leadership is going to come from from this team. I know uh, defensively or offensively, both actually. I, I say they're they're missing on both ends. I know Otis is going to take a strong stab at the at the defensive side of the ball, but it's interesting to see um, how they're actually going to play out. I know Sardi is a very emotional player. He's a very vocal player. So if you could get him in a spot where he could definitely get going. I think that that tends to give energy off that a lot of guys could feed off of. Absolutely, and Coach Antonio went on to say this about Sir Darian Adams. Uh, Sir Darian Adams can do a lot of things C. Grant did for Ohio State. Uh, that was a linebacker who won a ring with Ohio State in Mark Antonio's defense. Uh, Sir Darian is an explosive player who made plays. Uh, he also can be an effective blitzer from that position that is outside linebacker, and that is in Pat Narduzzi's defense here at Michigan State. My apologies to Coach Narduzzi drawing a blank here tonight. But that is his defense, Coach Antonio running the show. So you're questioning leadership on the scene. Brigitte, on the contrary, where do you see leadership coming from, first offense and second defense? Um, From offense, I think you have to go with Hoyer. He's captain of the, um, I guess 
you'd say, the captain of the offense because he's running uh, the team plays and everything. So if he can get his game going, make solid passes, uh, minimize mistakes, do good things for the offense, put numbers on the board, I think um, he'll be solid for the offense. And then defensively, um, that one's a toughie. There's your that's answer. A that's your answer. That's, the five-second pause in the dead, the illegal dead air on radio <laughs> says it all. The defense needs to need someone to step biggest. up. And, and uh, a healthy Otis Wiley is who I'm looking to. Yeah, if uh, there's no, no Cliff Ryan this year, you know, you don't have that just strong, dominant senior leadership anywhere throughout that, that defensive side of the ball. So it's definitely going to be a team effort, but I think they're going to end up leading heavily on Otis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tremendous uh, free safety, Otis Wiley. Hopefully he can get healthy. Michigan State will conclude its 15 spring practices uh, with the annual green and white inter-squad scrimmage. That's going to be Saturday, April 21st at 1.30 p.m. in Spartan Stadium, and I'm pretty sure that the open alcohol does not apply to this game. Obviously, it's in effect for... Uh, regular season games. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there for those <laughs> Spartan fans. Uh, don't want to see you guys get in trouble. Um, so hopefully you guys are taking care of business and not getting in trouble with that. But with that being said, we move forward to more important things like the WNBA draft. That is April 4th, the 10th anniversary, actually, of the draft one. Found that out today. First draft in 97. Wow, the WNBA has survived, although it is, in my opinion, nearing the brink of extinction. Uh, the WNBA is still around. And Victoria Lucas Perry was invited to the the pre-draft camp for the WNBA. Rini Haynes was not, uh, when I think she was deserving, but she did not get the call. Um, That just concluded this past weekend. We tried to get Victoria on the show today, but she is so busy with preparing for the draft, and I'm sure the last thing she wants to do is answer the same questions over and over again as... uh, as I'm friends with Victoria, so we're gonna we're gonna leave that for us, as in Brigitte, Juan, and Dan to debate three rounds. Juan, thirteen picks each round for the thirteen teams in the league. That is uh, obviously gonna, it may be twelve now because they one team in Charlotte last year, the Charlotte Sting, I believe it was, had to uh, dismantle. Um, that's just the the tough the tough environment that is women's basketball in the United States. Obviously not a big market sport. People aren't going to pay big bucks to go see. I'm not being sexist, but that is the plain facts. Uh, if you look at just simple salaries, because obviously the market sets will set most of the salary. Uh, in 2003, uh, WNBA players who had up to three years of experience uh, were capped at 42 Gs. Uh, but by comparison, this is in 03. The league minimum in the NBA back four years ago was 385. 385 WNBA rookies in 03 earn uh, $30,000 per year. Uh, the maximum salary for a WNBA player, this is three years ago in 2004, uh, was $90,000. So we're, that's like Lisa Leslie numbers, but she hasn't even hit six figures. But that's tough because that, that's just the market in the, in the environment of women's basketball. Um, that's why radio stations have a tough time giving away WNBA tickets. I'm not trying to rag on the WNBA. I think it's great that women have their own league in the United States, but it pales in comparison to to the to the men. I'm sorry, Bridgie. I don't mean to offend you. What what is <laughs> it? Okay. What's the WNBA need to do to get on the map? Do we need Candace Parker to declare for the draft <laughs> after the Final Four on uh, Tuesday night and get some dunks or what? What's what's well, the problem with the WNBA? Is, is men's basketball truly more exciting from a woman's perspective? I mean, I hate to go on the air and publicly say it, but I am more interested in watching men's basketball. It is more of a fast-paced game. I mean, they do do more tricks. They have more dunks and everything. As much as I hate to admit it, um, it would take a lot for the women's sports to get as much recognition as they do. But, you know, with all these women getting so liberal and everything, it might happen in a couple of years or something. Maya Johnson has been on the show saying that women's basketball is more fundamentally sound. And as a result of a research project I've been having to do for one of my classes, I've been having to sit and watch the, the <laughs> quarterfinals, the Final Four, and tomorrow, tomorrow night I'll watch the national championship game. And as a result, I you know, have to look for certain things, how they refer to women. Do they use their first name only? Um, are they referred to as girls during the broadcast? Uh, just c- certain things like that, uh, just to see how women are portrayed and co- in, in terms of coverage. Obviously, they're, they've been on ESPN lately, so I think the, the coverage is fine. Uh, but until you know, it's just tough. Uh, Genetics—I uh, guess it's in genetics. You know, guys can jump very high; they're very strong. They can shoot that tray ball. 
you know, I, I'm just it, it kind of gets under my skin. Juan, that all these people complain. Why does do these women not make as much as the men do? Okay, the market is setting basically setting their salaries. Okay, mm-hmm. until until these kids are running out and, and wanting to buy, uh, you know, Shamika Hold Squad jerseys. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's not going to happen. And 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 I, when do you see do you see the the WNBA lasting another ten years? One, I do not. Um. Actually, you know what I, I say it is going to last. Um, it's definitely losing itself. It's do, do you think politics will will keep it? Yes. Will, will make it survive. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the 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 lone politics of, of women having their own league and in, in maybe even federal funding. Yes. To help yeah, to help. The, You'll be uh, yeah. Politics behind the game of basketball will ensure that the women's league remains intact. It may not be as highly toted as as it once was. I know the first couple of years would be their quote-unquote heyday with uh, Cynthia Cooper, and and, and she was like the women's Jordan or whatever of her time. So um, I think they definitely need to try to reach out and and not just draw young girls into playing the game of basketball or try to promote that, but I think they need to win over some of the guys into watching – women's basketball consistently. They need to get that target group of, say, 21 to 35-year-old men to watch women's basketball. Why, why, what's it, what is it going to take for you to, to flip from uh, from North Carolina Duke to uh, <laughs> to the, the Comets and the Shock? I don't think it's possible for, for <laughs> to get me to make the switch, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, the game is getting exciting. Uh, if you watch it, like I watch some of the NCAA games, I mean, the girls actually play hard. They do play with emotion. They do what they can. But if you're just accustomed to watching the men's game, it's such a, a downplay of basketball with the things that they are limited to do that in comparison to the men's game. So. As, as Brigitte <laughs> grimaces over here. Brigitte, go ahead. Well, I think um, if you want to watch men's basketball, you're going to look for the more fast-paced, like high-energy game. But if you want to look for technique and skill, a lot of people are going to want to watch the women because that's one thing that they do specialize in. I feel because they don't put as much emphasis on doing the alley-oops and the tricks because they can't do them, frankly. But um, I think the first thing that they would have to do is gain the women's base to watch them, focusing less on getting the men to watch them. If they can start to get the women Just to watch them. Just rally all the women. Yeah, <laughs> not rally all the women, but if they the can rally. get more women uh, to take an interest, and then you know sooner or later it will catch on. It will never be as big of a sport as men's basketball. I think that's safe to say. But you know it'll take time, like everything. I'm sure a lot of people thought we'd never have a woman present either, and look what could happen. You yikes! Know? Yikes! <laughs> hey, this is not this is not this is not a poli- this is not a political show. <laughs> but the the hairs on my neck just rose up. Uh, n- nonetheless, I believe Victoria Lucas Perry will be drafted in those in one of those three rounds, and I'd say maybe in the second round. She's a solid guard. Uh, she's strong. She can shoot the three. She may be trigger happy at times and turnover prone, uh, but four years of experience with the trip to the national championship game. Uh, I believe all that will add up to draft success for VLP, and and she may have to forfeit that that or delay that that Michigan Dental School um, acceptance, refer it to uh, maybe a few years after she competes, because you know I, I'm sure that she doesn't want to finish her career on that note that they lost, albeit a strong Rutgers team who is now playing for the national title tomorrow against beautiful Candace Parker's <laughs> t- Tennessee team. I cannot get over how, how amazing Candace Parker is a tremendous, she may be one of the, the most beautiful women athletes out there now. Um, but she's not touching my girlfriend, but nonetheless, uh, women's final four Tuesday night, Tennessee against Rutgers, the same Rutgers team that knocked us out at home in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, the last notable draftee, if we can remember, her name was Kristen Haney. Uh, she played in that national championship game in which Michigan State got cr- crushed by Baylor, I'd like to say. Uh, you know, it was a great run, but Baylor really, woof. That was the only women's basketball game I watched that year. And that, that, may have, <laughs> that may have been it. Uh, but, but she, was, hey, listen to this, though. She was the first person to play in the NCAA Women's Division One Basketball Championship game with Michigan State and the WNBA Finals in the same calendar year. But she was on the winning end of the WNBA Finals. Good deal. So, hey, look at that. Talk about a great year for Kristen Haney. Uh, but more importantly, we move forward. Not more importantly, hey, women are just as important on the sports rap as, <laughs> as men are, okay? We have a fair share of women's coverage, if, if you listeners haven't noticed. Uh, we devoted uh, 
time to various sports, volleyball, uh, women's basketball throughout. Gymnastics even gets a plug here and there. They've had multiple members of the first team all Big Ten, all those little short women running around, flipping, jumping. Stout, strong little women. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, VLP, good luck at the WNBA draft April 4th. In the last few minutes here, we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of green versus white coaching edition. Uh, this is our little debate time. Uh, first off, the first job opening, uh, this is all reported, this is all rumor, but uh, there is some validity behind this. Uh, it appears that University of Michigan is going to offer the head coaching position to John Beeline of West Virginia. If you're John Beeline, are you going to pick up the phone and say yes? No, I'm going to stay where I'm at. Um, U of M is a program that I think is for up-and-coming coach. Um, I think uh, Coach Beeline has done a lot at, at, at uh, West Virginia, and he's building that program, and I think he's going to want to sit and stay and see exactly how far they end up riding out. Unfortunately, they won the West Virginia won the NIT, right? And they had shirts printed, and on the back of those shirts, West Virginia. <laughs> Whoever spelled that, they need a journalism major over at West Virginia quickly, <laughs> quickly. Uh, but if if I'm John Beeline, uh, I don't I don't know if I'm necessarily going to do this. Not to mention that there's a 2.5 million dollar buyout clause on my contract, That's a lot. which has five yeah. seasons remaining, and although. Michigan would most likely pay that $2.5 million clause. Uh, that's $2.5 million that John Beeline could have in his pocket. That he would never th- see. That he would never exactly. see. From, then Michigan would say, you know, we paid this to get you out of West Virginia um, to come to a second-rate school in the state of Michigan in terms of basketball and uh, terrible facilities in, in, <laughs> in, in, in a program that has just been inflamed with allegations of cheating, and, and you never know. But, man... Speaking of cheating, Juan, we look at this this Final Four, this national championship matchup tonight at, what, 927 or whenever, whenever right. CBS gets done airing Katie Curry <laughs> on, on the nightly news talking about whatever she's she talking about, about right. you know. Ge- you know, co- breaking into the, your genes and your DNA to stop smoking or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but do you, is, this, is this showing that cheating can win? Because we know there have been allegations around both of these programs. One, Ohio State, they've been guilty before. They've been tried and charged. Florida, come on now. I'll go with John L. Smith. Where, where there's smoke, there's fire. How are we going to get Al Horford from, from Grand Ledge, Michigan? Although his stat line says the Dominican Republic every time. Right. Played his high school ball here in Michigan. And how are we going to get Anthony Roberson from Sa- with Saginaw, Michigan? Saginaw. Saginaw, Michigan to go all the way down to Florida. Don't just tell me it's the weather that, that's drawing these guys down to play in Florida. Come on, the SEC. Come on. You kidding me? Is, it, is, this, is this, you think that these teams, both these teams are as clean as they come, Juan? Well, I don't think they're as clean as they come, but whoever said that cheaters never sp- prosper i want to meet that person because they definitely do um until they get caught and then have to pull, pull the banners down from the jalen <laughs> rose chris weber yeah, yeah. they're trying to get they're trying to get chris weber's uh high school mr basketball off of them so get out of I here mean, they, they do a lot of reaching but i don't know i don't know what it is um uh, maybe it's just the guys nowadays you know they don't really depend on so much on tradition um i know there's a lot of players who especially coming up if you listen to them talk they're definitely about building their own program, going to a new f- program, and putting that team on the map. So I'm not so quick to blow the whistle and declare yeah. one person a cheater and one person a not. I think it's politics and it's, it's a lot that goes on behind the scenes at every major university in all major sports. So Quickly, quickly, Final Four tonight, 927, the men's. Uh, most, who's going to win it and who's your most outstanding player? I like Ohio State because I don't really like Florida, and I say Conley is the most important person to them winning. Tonight. Who wins the most outstanding player award? Um, if Ohio State wins, regardless of what happens, Greg Oden. Yes, if politics. Florida, if Florida wins, regardless of who scores, Joe Kim Noah is going to be the most valuable player. Brigitte, who's going to win, and who is your most outstanding player? I like Florida to win tonight, and my MVP, I would say, is Humphrey, just because if he's shooting the three balls like he can, Ohio State has no chance, even with Greg Oden and I think Conley. She, I think no Brigitte way. just likes little white point guards. <laughs> hey, we're WDBM East Lansing. The Jazz Spectrum's coming up next, but guess what? I have to give you my choice, even though I've been terribly wrong this whole tournament. Yeah. Uh, here, here it comes. It's going to be Florida 
And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say Corey Brewer. First of all, he's gonna okay. neut- he's gonna neutralize Mike Conley at the point. Yeah, you're saying six one against six seven. Okay, if you're a smart coach, you're gonna put the shutdown defender in the country. Okay, he shut down a flalo of UCLA two years in a row. You're gonna put him on Conley. Conley is gonna be a non-factor in this game. Florida wins the national championship mm-hmm. game. Corey Brewer is the MOP, and he's gonna be a top ten pick in the NBA draft after he bolts along with Al Horford and Joe Kim Noah. Hey, Michigan State baseball plays tomorrow night against the Lansing Lugnuts at Oldsmobile Park. I just might be there. Happy birthday, Bob Walmsley. I'm out. I'm cutting into the Jazz Spectrum time. It is 8 o'clock, WDBM East Lansing. Hey, go get them done, Jazz Spectrum. Jeff Shop. take care. This has been Dan Duan, and I'm cut off. Hey, a pump We're fake. <laughs> a pump fake is a sign I t- I'm talking too much. Uh, for Brigitte Chiroyan... Dewan Simmons, I'm Dan Duggar. Take care and enjoy the jazz spectrum. Now you can play the intro or the outro. Get out of here. Thanks for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for more commentary on your favorite teams. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.